This is the Talk Theater in Chicago interview podcast for February 8th. I'm your host, Ann Nicholson Weber. And today we're going to be talking about the production of a trilogy of plays by Terrell Alvin McCraney, which just opened at Steppenwolf Theater called The Brother-Sister Plays. Um, there are three plays, uh, nine actors, takes uh, something like five hours to play out. We're here just to talk about the middle of the three plays, which is called The Brother's Size. And joining me are the three actors who have created that um, that play here at Steppenwolf, who are Kay Todd Freeman, Philip James Brannan, and Glenn Davis. Uh, Kay Todd, I wonder, since this is not a play uh, that anybody's likely to have seen unless they were there in the last two days here in Chicago, could you just explain a little bit about, um, you know, I guess, broadly what the three plays are about? I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that. <laughs> and specifically what uh, the brother size is. Just a, just a sketch. Um, the three plays center around a community in a tiny town in um, uh, southern Louisiana, the Gulf and Bayou country of Louisiana, like even south of New Orleans, you know. Um, and it takes place, it, uh, centers around the, the community living in a housing projects. And it spans about 25 years, I think. So you have characters that start in the in the red and brown water, which is the first play, then 10 or so years later in The Brother's Size, and then 10 more or so years in uh, Marcus or The Secret of Sweet. Y'all can chime in anytime you feel like it. <laughs> um, and The Brother's Size specifically is centered around the story of two brothers, one who has been a hard worker and has set up the home and owns his own business, and then his younger brother who has just recently gotten out of penitentiary and um, is trying to get his life back together, but there's the foil of his best friend from prison who comes by. Well, that's a great summary, and yet in some ways it gives such a wrong impression of what the plays are like. <laughs> I mean, it's completely accurate, mm -mm. but um, the the feeling of being in the theater in these plays is much more poetic, mythical. I mean, that almost mm -hmm. might make it sound like a TV, you right. know, drama kind of thing, very realistic, nitty gritty. Um, so maybe Glenn or Philip, you could talk a little bit about um, how, when you first read the plays, kind of what you made of that mix between the setting and the style. Well, the first time I read the play was with uh, Terrell and another friend of ours. We were, we were in New York and we were doing another play and we had some time and we just wanted to read the brother size and it hadn't been done. I think it had been done in London, but it hadn't been done in the States yet. And, um, we read it all together and immediately I was struck by how, um, inherently theatrical it was and epic. epic um, yeah. The, I remember reading it and Terrell, Terrell, when he reads his stuff, he's, he goes in. So he was, he was like crying and he was really, it was deeply moving. I'm sitting there. I just thought we we're just reading a play. And, um, <laughs> and I just, I, I couldn't even imagine what it looked like on stage. Uh, when Terrell talks about the play, he says when it's, when it's done, all of his plays, they have to be done with a sort of, um, muscularity. Yeah. Muscularity. Like you were just saying about TV. This is, you're right. It is nothing like that in that every moment is, is bigger than life. Mm -hmm. And if it's not done that way, it, it kind of cheapens the work. So yeah, I, I just remember reading it the, for the first time and just thinking this is, it was brilliant. It was, and, and 
just monumental, especially for three black actors to be able to do this play. I mean, everywhere this play is going to be done, there's going to be three actors who come to it and go, oh, wow, this is, I have to hold this up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You this can't is just, big stuff. Yeah. Right, right. So. Um, well, maybe to give listeners more an idea of where that mythical quality comes in and the Yoruban mythology that underlies this, maybe we could just take a detail like your character's names. I know that each, maybe you could each tell us the name of your character. Yeah, I play Ogun, who is in uh, the Yoruban religion. He's the god, of, he's a warrior god, the god of um, sword making. Hmm. Glenn? I play Alegba, and he is um, a, a sort of trickster. Mm-hmm. And um, he also gives you, um, give you road, gives you roads or choices to make. So he presents choices to you. So. And Phil? Uh, Ochusi, who's a wanderer, you know, and a, a dreamer. And I remember we talked about it in rehearsal that sort of ironic thing about Ochusi and Ogun was that Ochusi is this wanderer out there looking for something, needing tools, and Ogun is the one who's known to have all the tools. Mm, mm-hmm. and, he, and, you know, he's looking for answers, and Alegba is the one who has all these choices. So it sort of creates that triangle that you mentioned. And now to further kind of give people a flavor for it, we're talking in those terms. And one of the highlights for me of this play is when the two brothers sing together an Otis Redding song. Um, so that it's very hard, as you can imagine, listening to characterize something that has those kind of disparate elements in it. You know, these characters with the names of gods living in the Bayou projects and, you know, uh, and singing popular music on stage. So it's a, it's just a, a remarkable composite of elements. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you um, about doing three plays back to back. I mean, they are definitely billed as three separate plays that could potentially stand alone, be performed alone. I saw them all three performed in one day. How does it change? And, and let me just put a little more context. Both the first and the third play involve all nine actors, um, a number of whom are women. Mm-hmm. So it has a much different flavor than this play in the middle with just these three men. Suppose, imagine yourself playing this play by itself. You didn't do the, the bookends. Would mm-hmm. it change how you do it? Would it? Does it affect how the audience responds to it? Well, this version of the play is, um, is shortened mm-hmm. because it is because because it is part of the trilogy but if this play played by itself there are certain scenes that will be longer mm-hmm. you'll get more information about what happened to say oya in um in in the red and brown water um because you just need the background yeah, that you get in the, the first play right mm-hmm. um but i think the piece itself is um it, it was it was it, when we were working on it it was amazing to me that like there's a there's a lot there's a lot going on in the other two plays that you have to sort of jump on and and figure out and and, and as actors you have to remember to do this and do that. In this play, it was a relief to just be able to just get on stage and just worry about your partner. In other ways, it's harder because if you drop the ball in this play, it just becomes dead space. There's nothing to mm-hmm. sort of, there's no one, another character to come in and take your attention and keep the play going. It's just you three guys have to keep the ball in the air. Uh-huh. Have there been nights when you feel like you didn't hit it? I'm sure Kata never feels like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty early to ask that question, I guess, but. Um, yes, I, I think, I think there are 
for I think for any actor, there are nights where you feel like, oh, I was off, or I mm-hmm. didn't, or I didn't, um, or I've, I've nailed that moment before and I didn't quite get there. Find today, it. So, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. It's a such question, a rhythm. Really. It's like if there's one little, you know, trip, you feel it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's going to be way more to you than it is to, to the, the audience. The, of yeah, than the entire, yeah. you know, play that night. But, right. it, but you know, at that moment that, you know, you sort of missed a pedal. And and there's this there's there's a moment for every actor where you're in there with the playwright and the director and you you come off stage and you're like oh my god that was horrible I did and they go that was great that was the best you ever did it <laughs> and you're like hmm. all right <laughs> what world are we in here? Yeah. right right it right happens. right so let's talk I know that um, Terrell was there the playwright he's very young he's in his twenties still is that right mm-hmm. he's twenty nine um, and. Uh, so it's kind of a, I, people are saying, and I would certainly agree, an important new voice in American theater. Um, so he, he came, this is maybe the third production of the cycle. Is that right? Yes. yes. Something like that. Um, so what did you learn from him besides, I don't want just specifics like, you know, Ogun is the god of sword making, but, um, you know, what was his role in the rehearsal process? What kind of feedback did you get directly from the playwright? If any, maybe it all goes through the director. Well, you know, a lot of people have talked about how, you know, original, you know, the nature of his work seems to be, and it is new. I had never seen any productions of it before. So it was really helpful just to hear him talk about like the use of the stage directions. Um, Let me interject, Phil, because I just want to explain for people that one of the very striking things about the style is that the actors say their own stage directions. Um, so give give me an example. One of you, what's a line where you say your stage direction well, first? When, whenever someone enters, they announce that they've entered. So Alegba might enter and he says, enter Alegba, or Alegba enters, or um, like Alegba uh, exits opposite how he came. Mm-hmm. So, And then there are some others that actually give us an insight into the character's frame of mind before they say a line and then they say it. Can you remember an example of one of those? doesn't have to be from the brother's size. Um, In Marcus, I say um, Marcus blushing or um, Marcus uncomfortable. Then I say the line and keep going. So Philip, you were talking about the playwright talking about that device. What, what did he say about it? Well, for one, that you know, we've talked about a lot of different ways that they're used, but that there was no hard and fast rule or, you know, it's not the same rule, you know, that you stick to for every play. The precision that's necessary from going back and back and forth, you know, an example of Brother Size is scene two, Ochusi Size on lunch break, drinking a Coca-Cola, singing a song, and then immediately going in to singing the song. Right. You know, and Tina was very, you know, they were very hard on us, you know, and made sure that we didn't sort of blend the two together, you know, being in character, trying to kind of saying the stage direction as a line, you know, they were, they're meant to be very different. Mm-hmm. Or like when someone exits, you want to, uh, they were very, um, they harped on us about, um, if you say a leg, but exits that you stop, look at the audience, say a leg, but exits, then exit rather mm-hmm. than the sort of bleeding he's talking about a leg, but exits as you're walking. Right. So yeah. it's very, uh, everything is very precise and the precision is what, brings clarity to the piece. Uh-huh. And so, and one of the effects is that when you say, uh, well, Philip, you said this wasn't all the, always the case, but I mostly remembered the times when you would say a stage direction very much in your own voice, in your own accent, mm-hmm. and then <clears throat> instantly become the character. So it's this constant shifting in and out of the il- illusion of, of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which first of all must be very difficult for the actor to do. Um, because if you say, you know, he's, he blushes and then you have to say the line in a way that we believe is blushing. We know what you're not, we know what the, uh, the goal is now. So we know whether you hit it or not. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it creates a kind of almost a suspense because we're listening to, uh, we know what you're going to do. He's going to do a, you know, a gain mm-hmm. of five twists and a, right. you know, yes. and then we know if you miss it. Um, but I'm interested in if, if the playwright had anything to say about why he does that. Well, I know he first started about his inspiration for everything, like the, the culture of storytelling and telling the story yeah. and that, theater is a community coming together to tell a story. So never forgetting that we're actors telling you a story. Mm -hmm. And so that's the inspiration, I think his initial inspiration for, for including things like that into these pieces. You talk a lot about breaking the fourth wall and including the audience in on, on the storytelling rather than us up here and you're suspending your belief, but Mm -hmm. actually us all doing it together Mm -hmm. and me letting you in on the fact that, I'm being theatrical or I'm presenting a moment or telling a story. Right. Right. Yeah, it does. That's right. It's the word I thought of was story theater. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, so that's what you're saying is exactly what he intended. And he talked about how a lot of people do that naturally. You know, he he can go into the plays often, you know, when talking about them or, you know, go into some story and he'll talk about how, you know, that's how people stories that they sort of tell you what happened or what's about to happen and then jump into doing it. So mm-hmm. we also got to see him do it a lot. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And and we and he read did he read all, two of the plays? He read two of them for us. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. And something about that is that uh whenever so, something Tina has Terrell do whenever they're working together um especially for people who've never done his work because if you just read his plays you you kind of just go you know they're very good but you have no idea. At least I don't. Mm. I wouldn't how to how to do it and so she has him come in and and read the plays for us and in watching him do it um of course there are a million ways to do do anything but seeing the temperature with which every scene and every um stage direction is set or um or or how how a moment is handled carefully or um how how big something has to be or how small was really helpful because otherwise you just you just go Oh, I can do that, and and you fail miserably. Uh-huh. I could imagine that being, um, for some actors anyway, uh, difficult because in a way you would be tempted to then do an impression of Terrell doing Ogun Sai's, for instance, rather than doing K. Todd's Ogun Sai's, which is something that I know actors have to fight for is to find your own version of a character, find that in yourself. Was that, was that the case? Was it in some way that it made it, it, you know, hampered you in any way? No, I I kind of ignored it. (laughs) 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 So that's nice. Now let me do my own thing. (laughs) Well, how about the other two, two of you? Was that? Well, uh, Tina told us, you know, before he started that, you know, it was in no way to try to tell us how, you know, our character mm-hmm. was supposed to be read at all. Mm-hmm. It was just to sort of get an, an insight into his plays, you know, from him. And she also told us that he does it, he does it different, so different, you know, every single time uh-huh. that it's just as new to her, you know, that, so it's not like he has some sort of prescribed way of doing it. Right. And right. also it was, it was, I remember her focusing on the musicality of the language, yeah. more, more of that and, and sort of how, um, understanding sometimes how it looks odd on the page, the way he has it written in some, 
of verse prose mm-hmm. the way he uses punctuation so it was also kind of a way of of sort of exampling mm-hmm. what he means by those things so you right. can then use them however you want to and right. the pace of it which and, is also yeah. hugely important uh-huh well talk about um what has been the hardest for each of you and maybe if there's you know is there something you still just feel like you can't quite get because it's always interesting i think to, not to talk about what what's easy but what's hard Okay, Todd, is there anything that brings to mind for you? Um, there's some things in the third play that I still haven't quite found for mm-hmm. myself to mm-hmm. my particular satisfaction or liking, but Tina doesn't seem to, she says, no, it's fine. I'll say, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she's there for, right? Yeah. You know, so I was uh-huh. like, well, if you can't tell that I suck, then fine. <laughs> I won't try to talk you out of it. <laughs> Bella? I think in brother size, I think that the, we talked about the precision of everything. You know, Tina was is constantly talking like the precision of the stage directions. You know, going in and out, the precision of every movement. You know, that mm. nothing is casual or thrown away. So she's saying it's not completely naturalistic yeah. in, in in the way that you do it, and that's really important to the piece. So I'm always working on that. How about you, Glenn? Do you have anything to add to that? Um, in many ways, I always feel like um, once the play opens, that's when I can really uh, find, go deeper and find things. Because before that, you're when you're in previews, you're getting notes and you're rehearsing during the day and you're basically just trying to do, hit the marks. And mm-hmm. uh, at least I am. And um, uh, taking notes that the director gives you. And then when all that goes away, then you go, okay, now it's, now it's so you could start to consolidate it yeah, more uh-huh. I, i'm working on everything i i couldn't even it would take an hour <laughs> what you're still working about on. moments and things i'm trying to what's interesting out. hearing you talk about it because it, it is very poetic and i certainly was very aware of that but it doesn't feel when you're when you see it in the audience just to talk about the brother's size it's just a story. I mean, I was totally engaged in the story. I wasn't thinking, oh, there's heightened language. Oh, mm-hmm. there's um, non-naturalistic movement. And certainly you do have that quality of the storytelling and the mythic. Um, but it's, even though I've talked about how unusual it is, it's actually familiar very quickly. And then it just becomes about the relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I don't think I could even begin to to explain to someone why it was so moving and so beautiful, you know, um, it's a, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the relationships, uh, maybe that can begin to get us at it. So, um, Kay Todd and Philip play brothers and Glenn is the lover of, uh, Philip's character, right? Do we all agree on all that? So to speak. Yeah, I mean, I uh, guess you could you could surmise that. And people will and that, and people will take it that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's certainly the way I took yeah. it. So that what you have are kind of the jealousies of these different um, you know, the brother, the older brother is jealous because the younger brother seems to sometimes want the lover more than he wants him, and the younger brother is jealous of the older brother's competence, and they're just all these kind of swirling emotions. Did you spend a lot of time talking about the psychology, or is that stuff that just had to happen out of the words and the movements? You know, I... I don't think we did. Did we didn't? I don't feel like we did. We, <laughs> we didn't spend a lot of time like breaking it down psychologically and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It just kind of, kind of happened. I mean, I remember going for, personally. I remember going in saying, "I have to love Philip like there's no other tomorrow." Right. 
And that's all that I care to, that's all I really kind of concentrated on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have two sisters and if you have a sibling, you will get this play. Yeah. And, um, that's kind of what I, that's kind of just where my head went. And I just knew I'll have to love Philip and I don't like this guy. Uh-huh. And I don't like Glenn. That's kind of really where my head was. And I didn't mm-hmm. get all crazy about it because there's something about you, you when you talk about what you, your first impressions of the play is something about it. I felt I got mm-hmm. instantaneously. And I think that that's something that's great about these plays is that there is something extremely, even though it's so specifically down in the bio in the projects and it's African-American. It seems so like unfamiliar to people, which it is, which is also why it's, I think great. But also, even though it's all those things, the subject matter is just so effing universal. Right. There's like, I say, if you have a sibling, if you have, if you have a family member of any kind, you can get all of these plays right. and they will mean something to you on some sort of level, unless you just, have stone inside your heart instead of a heart, you know? And I think there's something about the universality of the subject matter and of the simple stories within the pieces that makes them so powerful. Mm -hmm. The people who who have seen them, you know, from all different backgrounds are so moved, you know, personally and start talking about their families, you know, and their brothers and sisters, you know, immediately, you know, and and talking about, Oh, I want to, I want my little brothers or my brothers to come and see this play. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just what Kate said, there's a universality, you know, that everyone sort of feels from it. You know, when I read it and every time I do it, you know, I, you get flashes of people in your family, you know, and cousins or brothers or, or we did a lot of talking like that at the table when we first started of just, sharing stories that sort of springboarded off talking about these plays. Personal stories from your own life. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. Interesting. Well, there's a, um, I interviewed the director, David Laveau, who said something that really struck me as true. He said, you know, actors need psychology. They need to think about each beat. What am I trying to get? Da, 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 da. But really what in the end makes a play lift is rhythm. It's not psychology. And I'm interested to hear you say that in some ways you didn't need to spend a lot of time on the psychology in this play because the rhythms are so strong. It's like you don't need to make the emotion. There's something about the language and the situations that – do you recognize anything of my, what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I am big into the psychology of it, but I guess I just didn't need to dissect it because I knew it in, mm-hmm. intrinsically. But yes, there's also – rhythm is huge mm-hmm. in this piece in these, all the pieces, if the rhythm's off, it's off. Mm-hmm. And also you are correct. If when the, the, if you get into the rhythm, it will feed you and tell you exactly what you need to be doing. And the rhythm is also, um, indicative of, of what's happening at any particular point in the play. Like when these, when, when, um, Uchusi and Ogun are, are talking or in, in a scene together, it's a very different rhythm than when I'm in a scene with mm-hmm. one of the actors. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the, the place that a labor comes from as opposed to where they come from. And uh, that, that is a part of the storytelling um, because you feel a shift in as an, I would imagine as an audience member, when, when um, they're talking or their rhythm is a certain way. And then I come in and it changes the rhythm. You disrupt it. That's kind of the outsider. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like you, like you see it, but you also hear it orally, you know, and you go, uh, okay, I, there's something inside mm-hmm. you as an audience member that goes, I feel that I just felt a shift. You know? So it's like if there were an underscoring and, you know, either the tempo of the yeah. mm-hmm. soundtrack picked yeah. up or the key or something, yeah. you feel that in the, in the way it's delivered and yeah. the language. Which goes well. to the point that Kate, I was saying earlier about the musicality of it. There is a, mm-hmm. 
musicality inherent in just speaking the words. And that should be true of any good writing, Absolutely. I think. Um, Absolutely. So it, you know, I guess what we're really saying is this is really fine writing, which I, I absolutely feel. And I think um, we've touched a little bit on you. You were talking about how it's unfamiliar. I mean, the uh, actually a lot of the uh, text in the program, there are interviews with some of the cast members, and there's a lot of talk about how we haven't seen these people and these world on this world on the stage before. We're talking about, you know, low income black inhabitants of a project in the South, not a typical. I would agree that there, you don't, um, these stories are not the ones that when, uh, when theaters all over the country are saying, Hey, we want to, present something to our subscribers. We want to give them some poor black folks in new Orleans, you know, or in that area. And, um, unless it's ain't misbehaving or something. Uh Oh yeah. Unless it's a musical or something that's been done a million times. Um, so there is, there is something um, very, uh, um, I would I would venture to say, for me, inspiring about um, this theater doing these plays in this mm-hmm. city at this time um, doesn't happen all that often. Or now, or now that it is happening, that I recognize the moment. What what I was thinking as you were talking, what you made me think about is the fact that an exotic setting is often very cool in the theater. And for, you know, a white middle-class audience, you could say this is a very exotic world. But I also have read um, quotes from the actors saying this isn't exotic at all to many of the actors. This is kind of where they're from. And that suddenly struck me as a really interesting dynamic. I wonder, is that something you were conscious of? It's something you talked about? Yeah, I felt like we recognize, I recognized characters and voices. Like when Ketchup said he sort of just got it. When I read it, it was just sort of like, oh, I've, I've met some of these people or heard things like this. or so even lines that you, you'd read, you've never heard that exact line, but you knew exactly what it meant mm-hmm. because of the rhythm, you know, or the inflection of it because it was familiar, but it was the feeling that like, we don't see these characters on stage though. No one does plays mm-hmm. telling these stories. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's why we took to the plays So, so, quickly and so and it was she was so gung-ho about doing the movie because it was because for me i'm from houston texas which is you know a five-hour drive probably a six-hour drive from where these plays are imaginatively set right and, and um uh so it was so i got so excited because i heard rhythms that i hadn't heard since i moved away and since yeah. i was a child and before we moved to the good neighborhood you know so right. i mean so like and a lot of these people like on elegua you know it's like she was my next door neighbor for real, you know? So it's like, I just know, like, you know, these people, it was so lovely to see those people. And even in television or whatever, when you do see African-American dramas or the wire or whatever that that you're seeing, I haven't seen these people before. Mm -hmm. It's a Southern thing. It's a, that's just so specific that was refreshing. And it wasn't the August Wilson characters, you mm-hmm. know, it wasn't even Susan Lloyd part, you know, it was, but it was, or Lorraine Hansberry. You know, it's like just something that's just so particular to this. And I guess what also makes it great is that, like I said earlier, the stories themselves are so universal right. that it doesn't just make it about these people that it's so right. isolating that you can't get into it. Right. And, I mean, it's, it's like if people talk about angels in America as, you know, a yeah. gay play, I'm like, police, you know, play. right. Yeah. No. And it's also, you know, the, the ideas of also the characters, 
black male homosexuality on stage is mm-hmm. sort of running theme. Just never seen that before, really, mm-hmm. you know, on, on, in the in the theater, it's on this kind of scale, and uh, you know, just the issues that run through it, and the rawness of it, and the sort of truth that Terrell, I think, exposes about those people and has us bring to those people sometimes upsets African-American members in the audience Mm. and is sometimes upsetting to people, whoever they are, but yet it's the truth of those people's. And then he brings out the beauty of it at the same time. And I think that's revelatory and wonderful. Well, whatever that mythic stuff is that he touches then becomes a bridge into the specific content for anybody. Mm -hmm. Certainly for me. I mean, you know, I didn't have any sense of distance from it or right. like I couldn't get it at all. There are so many elements to these plays that, that are there to bring you in no matter where you're from, whether it's you, you take to the language and you go, oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Or you, you, um, you see how um, in, in the red and brown water, how it's so, uh, the theatricality of it or um, in Brother Size, the empty space and, and the act, the just seeing three actors with, you know, with these 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 words these the this story mm-hmm. um and and really going for it whatever it is is he has there's so many things about these plays that that if if um if i'm an audience member something it feels like i would take to and go oh yeah that's my way in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well i think uh we need to end this discussion and that's only talking about one of the three we could have gone on probably for several hours if we had everybody. Um, so I just want to thank you for your time and to say that I just found it really an extraordinary, um, time in the theater with the three of you in that play. Uh, and I hope people will go see it. Thank you. Thank you very much.